It is January the 5th, 2023, and this is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 926. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, alright, from the top floor. Hey, hello and welcome, it's Chris, this is Tips from the Top Floor, episode, let me check, episode 926, Happy New Year, hope you had a good time. You had some time off over the holidays. Um, I sure did, <laughs> as you noticed here. Um, yeah. Let's see. What do we have today? We talk. Let's okay. Let's talk about photography. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> this is a photography show, after all. Um, the Film Photography Handbook Third Edition is out. Well, in digital right now. Uh, rediscovering photography in thirty-five millimeters medium and large format. That's the name. The publisher is Rocky Nuke. And it's been written by Monica, my better half, and myself. Um, and, I mean, it's it's interesting. Because uh, film photography... When we wrote the first edition of that book, uh, in German, 2015, seven years ago, um, it was one of these... Yeah, it's really cool. We can take, we can bring film photography into the 21st century. We can update some like stuff with, uh, with more, more modern approaches. And um, it was, it was, it was sorely needed. And then what happened was that a medium that was at least by some thought dead uh, got a bit of a resurgence, and it came back, and it became a source of news. At one point, all of a sudden. There were film photography news, and that led us to do the second edition, and now the third edition, which is updated, has new stuff in it, and yeah. So, so um, it's out uh, the, the the print version. By the way, that's of course the one that I would <laughs> totally recommend because it's about analog photography, about film photography, and um, that's an a, a, an analog paper book kind of goes with that it's also a very nice book it's beautiful it's nice haptic so anyway that will be out in may as far as i know so but the digital version the pdf the um i think there's an epub version that's out now so if you're interested in that you'll find this where you'll find your other books um what else have i done oh i've relaunched my website yeah totally necessary because you know the the thing is i have um i've often and more and more received the question what is it you do anyway because i do um let me let me actually open chrismarquart.com let me see what i do because um so so here's the thing the 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 problem with websites about yourself are first of all, have to be uh, clear about wh what do you want there. And by the way, everyone should have their own piece of that internet. There's Facebook, there's platforms left and right, but you need your own corner on the internet that you have control over. That's your own domain, Um That's an independent thing, and that will not go away. I can move it to a different hoster. I can take it with me. With a platform, you are at the mercy of that platform. And yes, it might expose you to more people, but it will sooner or later 
turn evil or do something that you don't like and then you have no choice because you put all your eggs in that basket so anyway um get your own domain I'm, I'm not, it's not, this is not being sponsored. Um, so yeah, I was I was thinking hard about what do I want this website to be because it was a bit of a, a bit of a mess to be honest. And um, and then I then I ended up doing something very simple. I looked at okay, what have I done as my references? That includes all the like testimonials and clients that I worked for and with um, my photography, my podcasts, my books, my other projects and so on and then okay what has he done and what can he do so i have a section with services because i've been doing video productions i've been doing training for clients i've been doing consulting for clients i've been doing photography for clients of course i've uh, i've produced podcasts for clients i've done like different things so this is the the where <laughs> what has he done and what can he do um <clears throat> of course my tours and photo workshops uh first and foremost the eastern europe photo road trip in summer um still a couple of spots open in case you're interested it's linked in the show notes that was the little plug um a bit of my story and that's pretty much it and it's a very simple website and it's a very easy to navigate website it's a fast website um and it's <laughs> it's a static website so it's not hackable <clears throat> yeah sure go ahead try so yeah that's pretty much one of the for me more important things that i've done recently is get this up to up to par with my uh, expectations and with the things i need and uh, make it make sure that it performs well on the search engines seo and so on so i've uh, i've put some quite some work into that uh and it's very simple and there's, there's no weird color choices and things it's really just the facts and that's i love that anyway what else have i done um over the holidays by the way <clears throat> here in germany the term for the time around the holidays around the end of the year is called between the years i'm not sure if that's the same where you live but uh we call it between the years so what have i done between the years um big Big project that hasn't really <laughs> that I had no idea it would become this big. Um, no, well, okay, big is relative, but it has taken me several days as opposed to a few hours that I expected initially. Um, and that is to digitize an 88 year old collection of glass negatives. So there's this wooden box that's been sitting in my parents' basement for a while and it was I, I knew there were negatives in there and they were old enough to not be on film so that that's pretty much glass plates that uh, are film so to speak um, negatives um, and uh, <clears throat> there were I don't know 150 of those plus some film negatives from up to the 1950s, maybe early 60s, possibly. It's hard to date. Anyway, that's from my father's family. That's um, from the family that his parents, uh, that his mother came from. And no one really did anything with it. It was just sitting there. I opened it up a couple of times and held a few of the glass plates against the light and I, sh I saw there were negatives of like people, family pictures and stuff. 
And um, yeah, I always, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to become the family historian, but I'm, I certainly know how to digitize uh, photography. So uh, over between the years, I started tackling that. And I took my, my copy stand and put the camera on there and put a light plate, a light, yeah, an LED light thing uh, on the bottom and started dusting off uh, 9 by 12 centimeters, 30 by 18 centimeters and bigger glass plates um, and put them on the website, which is, <laughs> there's no person. I think I think that there's no privacy infringements uh, by putting that online because no, no, none of these people is around now. So um, it's linked in the show notes. You can have a look, <clears throat> and it's yeah, it's part of my father's family. And um, and then of course you start running into into questions like how do you put this thing online? How do you document this thing? What parts of this project do you document? And then I ended up documenting the whole thing, which means. Not just digitizing the pictures and putting them online, but um, I documented the process. I documented the the process of how did how did how I digitized them, what camera I used, what lenses I used, um, how I restored these pictures because some of them had some fungus in the emulsion because at one time that box must have been in a I don't know in a, in a humid basement somewhere, um, and <clears throat> yeah, that's one of the. One of the things that can happen that fungus gets in there. Not too many of the plates had that issue, but a few did. So um, I had to, to clean that and, and I had to deal with some broken glass plates. Um, and then I had some. Di- I did some digital restoration, as in dust and holes in the emulsion and, and scratches and stuff. Um, you can take some of that out without problems. But I, of course, didn't want to run an AI over the whole thing and clean up everything because they, they, are, they are a time, a historic document of sorts. So I wanted to preserve them as much as possible so you can see that these things are in fact 80 years and older. Um, so I documented that part of the process as well. Um, I, uh, there was a camera with it, a box with a, with a camera that did these 9 by 12 centimeter uh, photos, a Zeiss Econ camera that a folding one with bellows, um, not quite large format, but uh, an early form of that. Uh, film holders were in there, and <clears throat> and yeah, that, so so I ended up documenting <laughs> the whole process and um, and putting it together. And you will recognize if you looked at my my website chrisbockwart.com, uh, this uses the exact same template pretty much uh very simple very no frills very down to the information kind of thing it's in german but you'll find your way around if you want to look at some of these pictures and by the way uh, some of them are from from the second world war so you'll uh you'll see i'm i'm <laughs> i'm quite pleased that only one member of the family decided to uh to be on the on the Nazi side of the spectrum, you can see one guy who proudly shows his uniform. Um, again, a historic document. But the rest of the family seems 
not too affected. And again, I don't really know enough of that part of my family. But uh, it's an interesting document. And it was really interesting. And I, I talked to my parents and uh, we identified a few of them. My dad's mother, of course, and some uh, uncle and, uh, and so on. But there are people on there that no one knows who they are. And uh, another thing I, by the way, tried to uh, make sense of is how okay how do you organize that do you put all the 150 well with the film it's more like 200 negatives uh, do you scan them and put them in one big bucket and let people go um, at it or do you group them in some way and the way I ended up doing it was that okay so I have this wooden box and in this wooden box are um, cardboard boxes with a stack of I don't know Two plates, five plates, 12 plates um, in there. So I ended up using that as a sorting criterion. So you will uh, find those boxes in there because um, that's how it's organized by the box. And I used what's printed on the box, like the, the brand name of the glass plates as a sorting criterion. And then inside those individual little galleries, it's a bunch of galleries now. And at the end of these galleries, I included some shots of the actual boxes with the actual glass plates uh, on a table. I simply took those with an iPhone. Um, and some of the boxes were interesting enough to take pictures from multiple sides because they have an interesting, I don't know, uh, interesting writing on the back. So you end up with some, again, it's all in German, but um, it's, yeah, it's a historic document. And it's online now, and uh, of course, if 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 some uh, remote members of the family come forward and and give me information about individual people, I'll update. Uh, I'll update those galleries with some more information. But um, yeah, for now, it's a project that like really had a beginning and a production and an end, and a few days of work. And I'm really happy how this turned out. So. Yeah, very glad. Here's here's one interesting historic detail. It's not about photography, but some of those pictures are from uh, are 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 of documents. Some of those pictures have been yeah. Well, the 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 way you digitize documents today by just pointing your smartphone at them and making that into a PDF. Um, yeah, some of those documents were deemed interesting or important enough that they had those photographed by a professional photographer in a studio so they had a a cop as pretty much a xerox an early form of a xerox putting them on a glass plate and one of those uh bunches of glass plates had a had a had a, a mail exchange between a priest in germany and a priest in constantinople which is istanbul now in turkey and uh uh, it turns out that part of the family uh, emigrated to Turkey and they, s someone here in Germany needed some documentation from there and they um, they didn't speak Turkish and the Turkish side didn't speak German. So um, they went to the priest because all the priests back then, now I think still, uh, learn to speak Latin. So there is a Latin uh, exchange of asking for a specific family in Constantinople and uh, the back and forth has been documented on those glass plates and it's 
I think that's wonderful. So, yeah, that <laughs> that's that's my story of between the years. All right. Um, last but not least on this episode. Yes, we have to go into AI again because <clears throat> we have seen, um, again, between the years, we've seen some major drama in AI land. Um, and the discussion, I mean, it's getting, for my taste, it's getting too heated, too... <clears throat> it's lost its objectivity. Because um, there is an anti-AI part of the artists um, from some art sites they they organized and they've been rallying the troops. And by the way, I'm using uh, a military term <laughs> on purpose. And they've been <clears throat> they've been barraging Kickstarter. So the um, there's there's a okay. So you've heard of Dali. You might have heard of Stable Diffusion. There's Unstable Diffusion, which is a. Uh, a uh, an everything goes kind of platform um, that they wanted some Kickstarter money to train their own model, and uh, the unstable diffusion Kickstarter project was cancelled because they got I don't know bombarded by anti AI stuff and legal threats and so on, and then the Patreon, the unstable diffusion Patreon was suspended. Um, again, I I can only guess that because of legal ambiguities, copyright law is just not quick enough and updating quick enough for the speed of development that we're seeing in AI right now. Anyway, um, I will link a couple of videos and things that I found helpful to make sense of it all. But we need to talk about what's up with the AI discussion um, because it is affecting, it is really starting to affect art <clears throat> and art generation. So um, the protests have initially become visible on artstation.com, which was one of one of the one of the many sources that these AI datasets have been trained on. Um, and what they say is AI art is theft, and they're literally up in arms <laughs> because um, you can see these these yeah, Kickstarter and and Patreon uh, cancellations. And I've already very critically looked at this, like, I've been saying this for a year now, uh, that the, the implications of AI-generated content, not just art, but the content, will be huge. And I've, I've been saying this, well, yeah, about a year, and then in April things started to heat up more because more of these things came out, and uh, this was one of my <clears throat> main talking points, is the implications are huge, and what I said has mostly been ignored until now, because, uh, yeah, th things are now starting to sink in with a lot of people. And of course, the, the technology and the utility are really fascinating, but then, of course, the ethics side of it... The, must be considered it's always important to look at both of those sides and that's why i'm kind of glad that this is finally being discussed more broadly even again if i think even if i think it's a bit too polarized right now and uh, i think there's a there's group that might not be the majority that is being louder um and social media are being used to rally the troops Again, deliberately a military term here. Um, bring out the torches and pitchforks. They are this theft, which legally it's not. 
these all these things will not hold up in uh in a in front of a judge definitely not and yeah there's a lot of polarized emotion and um on the other hand then there are people who are really really excited about all this <clears throat> i've i've seen one person here uh, on on reddit who's really excited a person with adhd who wrote on reddit here let me quote I just want to say one thing about AI art. As someone whose own handwriting is barely legible and whose artistic skills are negative, yet who was born with ADHD and, ha and a brain that never stops, all those visions in my head, all those ideas, all those works of art that I couldn't get out of my own head in a million years, but now with AI art, I'm finally able to get those constantly running thoughts out of my head. I'm putting my visions on paper, so to speak, and finally letting others see what I see. It's really a huge relief, and I haven't had this much fun in many, many years. Just thought you should know. So, there's two sides. And yeah, it's polarized. There are, <laughs> even though I would, I'd see myself somewhere in the middle. Anyway, arguments pro AI um, are everyone's learning from others. You and I learn by by looking at art. Here in the viewfinder villa, uh, for those of you who've been here or seen photos, we have a whole wall full of photo books, and sometimes. I just love to browse, get some inspiration, expose myself to someone else's view of the world. Um, that's, a, that's a pro argument for uh, learning from others, for um, using other people's art to further your own art. Um, another pro argument, or along the same lines, looking at pictures of others is essentially a way to form your own sense of style. Um, copying styles is essential to learn photography. That's how we learn. I've taken inspiration from artists and I've tried to copy styles to learn to become better. Um, and AI is merely a tool. And, and yes, we see that uh, like in any other art, you might be able to produce something that looks cool. But creating art, art in the sense of art still requires an artist. And I'm, I, I firmly stand behind that. Having played with these things, um, I you can you can create something that's dazzling, but art is different. Um, the main reasoning against art, the main argument, uh, I'm not against art. The main argument against AI is artists will starve. So, how do we bring these things together? Now, it's one thing that's important. I think is AI is here to stay. The cat is out of the bag. The ship has sailed. The genie is out of the bottle. This is not going anywhere, no matter the protests. And um, artists are not the only ones who are beginning to understand what's coming here. But um, they are certainly the first ones. They are certainly the loudest. And I think it's easiest to see. We're looking at writing and music and so on that will um, go through the same... So, yeah, we'll see. Um, here's an example of another field. GPT-3, a big language, a large an LLM, a large language model, can now pass the bar exam. Yes. AI can now write code as good as an average programmer. Not as good as an above average programmer just yet, but good enough for many tasks. So another Between the Years project, over the holidays I've written some shell scripts to automate a few tasks 
which I love to do stuff that I find oh I've, I've repeatedly I'm repeatedly doing the same thing can I can I get something to help me do that um, so I've used AI to help me do it not the task but the the script around it that would automate some stuff I didn't it didn't really nail things like on the first try but it gave me like a decent boilerplate and in the end I would say definitely more than half of what I needed was provided by the AI and I run I ran a few error messages across the AI and said hey look this is what your script does it's not oh yeah I see change this change that and so on anyway so like 60% of that came from the AI I fixed a few things and gave it some polish and it it did dramatically increase my productivity would I have hired a programmer for that no I wouldn't I would have spent more time on it and not been able to do my 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 glass negatives scanning project uh, instead, um, or I would have given up in the process. Anyway, in many cases, AI isn't going to replace professionals just yet, um, and it's only a matter uh, a matter of time until other areas will be affected, not just art. Um, but artists, if someone would have told me. 10 years ago that art would become the first area that AI makes a real impact on, I would have laughed. So interesting how this works. So one of the questions is, of course, where do we draw the line? That's always the question. Is photography art? That's a real question that was asked by painters when cameras became a thing. And if I look at the photography in my in my holiday glass negative digitizing project, no, photography is not art. These photos are not artistically valuable. The composition is, yeah. These were not not taken by an artist. These were taken by someone who was into photography. Um, so is photography art? Now Nowadays you can say, yeah, sure, can be, of course. Is color photography art? And again, a question that was asked by black and white photographers at the time when that was the only thing. And then someone made color photography available to the masses. And if you look at like famous artists like William Eggleston, oh, he was frowned upon well, because he used color photography, which was not art from the view of some, yeah, call them gatekeepers. Um, more, more, more in the now, can a smartphone do real photography? A question that has been asked by DSLR, uh, DSLR photographers, digital photographers, like with the real big cameras. Can one of these things that fits in your pocket be a tool to make art? Of course, the answer is a resounding yes. And we do hear the same thing from other fields. Is, I don't know, is a recording real music? Is radio real music or is music only real when it's live and you're there? In that context, by the way, I one of my favorite movies, it's a French movie from 1981. It's called Diva. I've recently uh, had uh, saw a video by uh, Adam Savage, who also loves this movie, which I found wonderful because... It is one of it's an amazing movie, and it, it it touches on this: is music only real when it's live and if you're there? 
Um, is CGI okay in film? I mean, after all, when things are done in the computer, then the set designers are out of a job, right? So this thing is not going away. But of course, the ethical side is still there. And we as individuals, we can make choices. Um, for example, I don't know, go, don't visit websites where your choice is not respected. I mean, DeviantArt, for example, has a category for AI art now. So you can see what's AI and what's been handmade. They marked it. Well, the people uploading market. So not sure how much that's worth, but there's a distinction in many platforms now. Um, ArtStation has banned AI art. They had a huge process. Again, the, they are one of the areas where this major pro protest or this, I wouldn't call it major, a loud, let's call it the loud protest came from. And yes, things will change over time. Like, I don't know, when the car was invented, the, the number of horse handlers and horses and stables and stuff went down quite significantly. But there are still horses today. They didn't go extinct. Um, let's talk skills. This is another important part of the debate. Um, what does skill mean? Well, for some people, a skill is a moat. It's or it's used as a moat. It's something to protect you from others. If you have a skill that others don't have, then you have an advantage. And if I look at my skills in photography, I spent decades improving my skills to get better pictures out of my cameras. That's one of the reasons that nowadays I can pick up any number of different cameras and most likely get something good out of them because my skills translate into different tools now. Um, and that would be the better exposure, better contrast, more sharpness, better timing, and so on. That's all skill-based. And yes, some of that is equipment. You can throw money at it and increase your likelihood of getting a sharper image. But a lot of it is also skill-based. And then, boom, today any smartphone can do a lot of that. So my skills that I've worked for for decades are worth a lot less than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, I've met photographers who, who were really cagey about how they do something. I, I vividly remember... Uh, 20 years, 30, no, 30 years ago. I, I remember that one case where, where early in my uh, career, another photographer showed me some of their photography. Um, that was somewhere online in a forum or something. That that photography looked incredible. There were portraits and they were they had something. And I, back then I couldn't put my, uh, my finger on what it was that made them so interesting. So I asked them, well, how did you do that? What did you do? And I was really eager to learn and, and find out how to take portraits like that. And all I got was, I can't tell you, it's a secret. And of course, <laughs> that pissed me off. Uh, but also it spurred me on to learn, to find out, to increase my skills, become a better photographer. And by the way, later I learned that 90% uh, of that was the lighting and the rest was the how to interact with people. In portraiture, that's an important skill to have. Uh, so th 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 that photographer didn't have a secret sauce, but he was also kind of a bit of a, a dick about it. 
Anyway, which was a part of my development and one of the reasons um, I started, when I started the podcast, I was like, okay, I want to teach others. I want to take others with me and I want to give away that knowledge for free. That's one of the reasons why I did that because I hated people like that. But something good came out of it, I think, out of that interaction. Um and of course, I mean, the, you know, the, the skills, there's an entire marketplace for learning skills. You can buy, you can buy training. I have held photo workshops for 16 years. Um, will that go away? Will people not want to learn skills anymore? Now that AI makes everything effortless, I'm putting that in air quotes because it's not effortless. Um, the, the skill side the skill-based side of photography will only get you this far. The The artistic vision is still like a very human trait, even, even today. But let's say for the sake of the argument, let's entertain the idea that AI will make everything simple. Um, and there are a lot of things the machine can't do, cannot do. And I predict that those skills will keep their value, maybe not in the short term, there's always something swinging in one direction and then uh, like a new technology might supersede parts of the work and then the pendulum will swing back. And I mean, here's a good example. Look at the, look at the price that you pay for a live concert. 20 years ago, those same concerts were, I don't know, you'd pay a quarter or fifth of the price that you pay today. Music has become a commodity. Available everywhere, anytime, at almost no cost. Streaming has changed things a lot. And this is coming from someone who still has boxes of CDs up in the attic. Um, there's still part in me who goes, that goes, you know, owning the music, not just renting it. But again, it's a commodity. It's for free, virtually for free. And artists and musicians have felt that. So... The value of the live experience, the real experience, that has gone up in turn. Or um, let's use an example from the world of photography. Look at Fuji Instax. Photography has become a commodity and it's become virtual. So people are craving the real photo, the unique haptic experience. And Fuji uh, realized that early. And uh, it's... A huge cash cow. No, it, it it is it is it it supersedes. Um, it supersedes. Well, no, it supersedes. It it makes more money than um, their digital photography by far, and it has done for years. And it's not it's not showing any signs of slowing down. Um, another example where where things are moving is our next year's Abbey Workshop. I've talked about this here a lot. We've done this for, I don't know, 15 years now. Um, in the old Abbey down in southern Germany, it's 30 to 35 people spending one entire week 24-7 with photography. We sleep there, we eat there, we do photography, we do projects and so on. Um we open it up in November, around the 1st of November, 2nd of November uh, in 2022. That was sold out in 13 minutes. 13. One, three. Which shows me that it people want to learn. People want to experience things firsthand. Um, 
Another example, the Eastern European photo road trip. It's a real experience. You'll spend 10 days with like-minded people, traveling and exploring and chatting photography and, and learning about European history and visualizing things. That is something you can't make up with any virtual experience. Um, YouTube. One of the biggest trends on, on YouTube are maker videos. People using their workshops, using a lathe, mill, a saw, planer, welding, cooking. Anyway, making things is a huge trend for a reason. Because people, um, people, things are have become too virtual for a lot of people. What I'm trying to say is the virtual thing might supersede the real thing for a while. In some areas, but there's always the pendulum, a pendulum of some sort. And it might not swing back uh, the full way. It rarely does. But there will be a new uh, equilibrium and it'll take a while to get there. So we are in that turmoil phase right now. And I'm over 50. I've seen plenty of those pendulum swings. The value of real handmade art might suffer for a while in photography, but it will come back. Likely in more of a like a niche form, and things like documentary photography isn't isn't going anywhere. Stock photography will feel it. Um, taking photos will not go away. Drawing and painting will not go away. And of course, as a consumer, you have a choice. You can choose your actions. Um, there's a guy on YouTube called David Shapiro. He's an AI specialist. He has good uh, approach, I think. Um, I've watched a few of his videos. Um, and he he mainly talks about large language models, GPT-3, and uh, uh, that's the technology behind chat GPT, which, if you haven't heard of it, <laughs> what rock are you living under? Anyway, David has some, some good tutorials and things. Uh, how to use GPT to write novels and blog posts and so on. And that in also includes examples of coding. Um, and at one point, he took some of these videos offline for ethical reasons. And instead, he's now working on, like he, he put them back on, but put them in a different context. And he's now working on tools to allow writers to use AI as an assistant. It's not a tool to uh, to make to put writers out of a job. No, it's it's to make writers more productive and make them better because there's plenty of mundane tasks in writing that a machine can do better. Um, there are things a machine can do better and there are things humans can do better. And the, the collaborative approach is the best that I, that I see right now. And it's the same with virtual photography. It's the same with generated uh, photography. And I, I personally have also made my choice regarding AI art and AI photography. I decided for myself not to use artist names in prompts anymore. Not to use styles. I mean, if you've been dabbling with that, Greg Rutkowski might ring a bell. That's a, an artist who has a, a fantasy concept artist and art station. And uh, his, his pictures are in the data set or used to be in a data set, and uh, adding his name to a prompt would almost guarantee something phenomenal, artsy. Um, but I'm not using artist names in prompts anymore. At least not those of living artists. I might, I don't know, I might throw Picasso in there, or Rembrandt, in the style of Rembrandt. Uh, but there's, but, but anything that's for public consumption, I'm not augmenting in that way. 
And uh, the term that I've seen for that is like prompting responsibly. Um, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would call it clean prompting, like no artist, no styles, no Greg Rutkowski, no in the style of such and such. Um, because th those are shortcuts that get you somewhere quickly, but um, those also use parts of the AI that was that trained on the imagery of those artists. Um, instead, I, I found it almost a sport to try to do proper prompt engineering, which means I, I prompt, I generate, I see what's missing, I modify and I extend the prompt. And that's an iterative, honestly, quite meditative process, getting to a desired result that can take anywhere from 10 minutes to like several hours. It's a bit like sculpting, you know. You can see some of the results, by the way, at chrismarkward.com. On my website, there's like an AI art page in the references section. Um, it's a bit dark because <laughs> I don't know what, what what made me make these prompts, but um, that's one of the jobs like art is there for. And those are all clean prompts, no artists used. Um, that's my personal decision, um, how I deal with that for the moment. Yeah, but of course, um, the, here's another thing that this has now um, brought forward, and that is that artists who might have been used to train the generators, um, those artists now have a choice. Because there's a way to opt out of their art being included in future models, at least for stable diffusion, um, at least for models that use the Lion data set. Um, you can opt out your own photography. If you had something on a platform, I mean, the thing is you put your things on a platform, you click the I accept uh, the I accept the terms and conditions, and then in those terms and conditions, um, it is pretty much giving away a lot of the rights on your photos. So a lot of people have their pictures in data sets because they didn't, well, they put them on platforms that allow that to be taken. So um, but it's, it's possible um, to take yourself out of there of future training runs because, um, again, the majority, if not all of the generators are at least partially based on the Lion data set, which, to my knowledge, um Again, it is the underlying data set under a lot of the image generators. Um, because it's so large, it's the largest data set out there that has almost 6 billion images in there. And uh, if you're an artist and if you want to opt out, go to haveibeentrained.com. Haveibeentrained.com, one word. Um, and there you can search for words that might be associated with your images, like titles and descriptions or your name. Um you can even upload an image to see if it's in the data set and then you can opt out. And that has been around for a while and uh, the result is already visible. Now, if you go and, again, Stable Diffusion is, is open source, so it's one of the m most used ones right now. Um, if you go with Stable Diffusion 2.0 or 2.1, uh, which has been released before the holidays, a lot of the, the artists are not in the database anymore. That's what a lot of artists are doing right now. They're opting out. It's, of course, debatable if this would be, if this should be opt out or opt in. I'm not going to go there. But um, again, that might, that might be a good discussion for you on the on the TFTTF Slack, for example. Anyway, <sighs> a big uh, convoluted thing, but this is a discussion we need to have about a major change in art. And photography is part of that. 
Anyway, what do you think? Which side do you fall on? Are you excited about the new possibilities? Are you an artist who's worried about the future? Let me know. You can send me a mail or a voicemail. Uh, go to tfttf.com slash hi and let me know. Let us all know, tfttf.com slash hi. Thank you. And that was it for this episode of Tips on the Top Floor. Thank you so much for, for being you, for listening, for being into photography, for being into this show. Thanks for being subscribed. You're awesome. You can follow Tips on the Top Floor on Twitter at TFTTF Photo, or you can follow me, Chris Marquardt, at chaos.social on Mastodon. Chris Marquardt at chaos.social. I love to hear from you. Drop your feedback for the show, your questions, your anecdotes at tfttf.com slash hi. That's tfttf.com slash hi. You can write there or you can record a voicemail. And uh, I love, really, I love to hear from you. I cannot say it often enough. You guys are awesome. And hearing your voices or reading your thoughts here on the show um, makes my day. And as always, a huge thanks to all of you who support the show on Patreon. You guys are amazing. You're making a difference. And you can do so at tfttf.com slash Patreon. That's tfttf.com slash Patreon starts at a dollar per episode. And it really helps. Thank you. And now go out and take amazing photos. Be extra nice to each other. And of course, happy shooting.